John chapter 20 is about the resurrection of Christ. And uh, we're, we're going to look at that entire chapter. And uh, forgive me for that. But we're going to look at that entire chapter. But, but it, it, it clearly shows uh, two things. It shows doubt. And it shows how God dealt with that doubt through Christ Jesus. Now, doubt, what is doubt? Doubt is uncertainty about a particular situation or trying to determine whether something is true or possible. And after Christ's resurrection, excuse me, after Christ's crucifixion, there was a lot of doubt and uncertainty. And as we face our difficulties today, is there an element of doubt in what in what we do and how we feel and how we conduct ourselves? I'd venture to say, uh, yes, it is. But the question is, is that doubt taking away our hope? Because when we let things get tough, and when we don't handle those tough things very well, sometimes it can affect our hope. Doubt uh, can become a common occurrence with many of us in our culture today. There is so much false information going around, so much uh, bad information uh, on the news, we, we just doubt everything. We, there's nothing for us to truly hold on to because we can't, you know, we can't hold on to uh, government. We can't hold on to uh, uh, you know, our, our, the, the, the doctors. We can't hold on because as we look at this situation, no one really truly understands what's going on. And they'll tell you, yeah, we've got this under control, but in reality, they do not. So seeing a world that's full of hurt and full of pain, sometimes we question whether or not God is really, you know, involved in this. Is he really aware of what's going on? And the answer is yes. But people doubt for many, many kinds of reasons. And doubt is going to happen. It, it, it's just a part of our lives. So our doubt is not the problem. The problem is how we deal with that doubt, how we handle that doubt. And as I was reflecting on uh, this series called The Chosen, it, it clearly, clearly laid out for us how Jesus and his love for his disciples, for his followers, how he would deal and how he dealt with doubt. Okay? So we're going to take a look at John chapter 20. And one of the things that we'll see in John chapter 20 is that we'll see an example of how Christ really loves his followers. But before we do that, let's, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we uh, just come to you right now. We ask that you open up our eyes so that we might see, open up our ears so that we might hear, and open up our hearts so that we might receive what thus saith the Lord. We thank you, and we thank you for what you're going to do. In Christ's name we pray, amen. All right, let's take a look at John chapter 20, and we're going to read, and I'm going to read the uh, verses 1 through 23, and I, I would just ask that you follow along with me. John chapter 20, starting with verse 1. Now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene 
came to the tomb early while it was still dark and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. So she ran so she ran and went to Simon Peter and to the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, and said to them, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. So Peter and the other disciple, Peter went out with the other disciple, and they were going to the tomb. Both of them were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. And he stooped to look in, and he saw the linen cloth lying there, but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came, following him, and went into the tomb. He saw the linen cloth laying there, and the face cloth, which had been placed on Jesus, Jesus' head, not lying with the linen cloth, but folded up in a place by itself. Then the other disciple who had reached the tomb first also went in, and he saw and believed. For as yet they did not understand the scripture that he must rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to their home. But Mary stood weeping outside the tomb, and as she wept, she stooped to look into the tomb. And she saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had lain, one at the head and one at the feet. They said to the woman, they said to her, woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, they have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. Having said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing, but she did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him and I will take him away. And Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said to her, do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father, but go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and to your Father and to my God and to your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord, and that he has said these things to her. On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the door being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, Peace with you. When he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. Even when he said, when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you, be, if you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. So as we look at this situation, we look at the, the, the doubt among the believers among, among the disciples from the, resurrect, from the crucifixion. And so, as we see, first of all, Jesus, he was resurrected. And he first, he encountered Mary. Mary was in doubt. She was, she was confused. She was wondering, where had they taken Jesus' body? But what happened? Jesus appeared. And when he appeared and made himself known to her, she saw him and he believed. So what happened? That took away her doubt. 
Jesus' presence and her believing in him. Next, Jesus went to the disciples. He met them as they were hiding away, and he came to the room, to a locked room, and he made his presence known to them. And he showed himself to them, he showed his wounds to them, and they saw that he had resurrected, and they believed. So all of the doubt and all of the confusion around Christ's crucifixion was moved simply because of two things. Jesus' presence and Jesus and the disciples believing. And, and that's key. That's key. That's a key thing for us. Regardless of our circumstances, regardless of our situation, two things we have to be aware of. Jesus' presence, his ever-presence, and we have to believe. Jesus eliminated doubt by his presence with Mary and with the disciples and with the disciples believing. And that was the key. That took away their doubt. Now, when Jesus met with the disciples, there was one disciple that wasn't there. And that disciple was Thomas. And so, as we move forward in the story, let's take a look and see how Thomas reacted. So let's take a look real quick at, at verse 24 and 25, John 24 and 25. Now Thomas, one of the 12 called twin, was with them when Jesus came, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord, but he said to them, unless I see his hands, the mark of the nails, and place my fingers into the mark of the nails, and place my hands into his side, I will never believe. Thomas set a high standard for his belief. He says, not only do I need to see him, I need to put my hands in his wounds. Now, Thomas gets a bad rap in the church because he was a doubter. Everyone talks about Thomas the doubter. But if we're truthful with ourselves, would we have believed? Would we truly have believed that Jesus had risen from the dead if someone had told us that? Because as we think about it, you know, it didn't really make sense at that particular time. And the disciples really didn't understand because Jesus had warned them, had told them time and time again that I will die, but I will rise again. But they didn't quite understand. So Thomas says he will not believe unless he sees in front of his eyes evidence that he can see and touch. Let's think about what Thomas was coming from. He had just watched his leader crucified, brutally crucified. And his hopes were gone. They were gone. Because he's saying now this ministry that we, that I've been so involved in is over. Because Jesus is gone. And the thought of getting his hopes up about a resurrection that didn't make sense was really too hard for Thomas to wrap his mind around. And you know, sometimes we are a lot like Thomas. You know, we use doubt as a protection mechanism. I'll say that again. We use doubt as a protection mechanism. 
Doubt is often a way of keeping us from getting our hopes up. It's a way that we use to keep us from getting our hopes up. Thomas did not want to believe that Jesus was alive because he did not want to be let down again. He did not want to be disappointed. And we often do not want to believe in hope because we're afraid that Jesus will not come through. You know, there are times when we don't pray about a particular subject or particular challenge that we have because we're afraid that Jesus will say no. We don't want to be disappointed. We say to ourselves, if I don't ask for this, then he can't say no. We do that. And, 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 and more often than not, we do that quite often. So, but, Jesus is saying, Jesus has said and he is saying, you know, believe, trust. That's what I want you to do. And so, so Thomas clearly set the standard. He says, I'm not going to believe until I see him and put my hands in his womb. Now, what happens? Jesus calls him on this. He calls him on this. And as we look at verse uh, 26, as we look at verse 26, it says, eight days later, his disciples were inside again, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. So Jesus came again. Eight days later, he came to the same location, or to a location where they were at, and he appeared again. And in verse 27, he says, Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands, and put out your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. After greeting the disciples, Jesus immediately turned his attention to Thomas. Because the reality is, his whole purpose in being there eight days later was for Thomas. Now, how does Jesus address Thomas? Jesus is well aware of the standard that Thomas had, had placed in believing. But what he didn't do was, he didn't reprimand Thomas. He didn't belittle him for not believing. He didn't ridicule him for needing proof. No. What did he do? He invites Thomas to see for himself. He invites Thomas to touch him. He says, put your fingers in the scars in my hands and side. Now, Jesus was well aware of Thomas's doubt. And the reason is because his human, the human side of Jesus has experienced everything, that ever, every emotion, every hurt that we could face and we could experience. So he truly understood what Thomas was going through. He understood Thomas's doubt. But he wanted Thomas to understand, and he wants us to understand, who he is and who we are in him. That's very important. Yes, I know you're going to have doubts. Yes, I know you're going to have trials and tribulations. But as believers in Christ, we need to understand who he is and who we are in him. 
Because until we trust him, truly trust him, we will always have doubts. And there are many believers out there today that are struggling with their faith, with their faith, because they have lost hope. They're struggling because they've lost hope. And Jesus says to them, in John 10, 10, he says, you know, Satan comes to steal and kill and destroy, but I came to give you abundant life. And he's telling us, he's reminding us why he came. He came to give us an abundant life, not a life of material things, but an abundant life in him, an abundant life where we can fellowship with him, full of joy, full of confidence, and taking away that doubt, understanding that, yes, we will have trials, we will have tribulations, but understand who you are in me. And our fellowship with him will give us hope. It will remove those doubts. So as believers in Christ, we should not lose hope. No matter what our challenges are, God is here for us. He's saying the same thing to us that he said to Thomas. Do not disbelieve, but believe. And then, once Thomas saw Christ, his response was, in verse 28, my Lord and my God. My Lord and my God. This was all Thomas needed to believe. Thomas thought he needed to touch Jesus. He thought he needed to put his hands in Jesus' wounds but he didn't. All he needed was the presence of Jesus. And then he believed. Christ said, do not disbelieve, but believe. So when we believe and we understand the presence of Jesus, our doubts should go away. Thomas had firsthand evidence that came directly from Jesus, and this caused his doubts to melt away. And when Jesus is our source of hope, we don't have to be crippled by doubt. And Satan will use doubt to cripple us. Satan will use doubt to deceive us. Satan will use doubt to, to handcuff us. But in the presence of Christ, all we need to do is believe, and that doubt will go away. So we spent quite a bit of time talking about Thomas, um, but let's talk a little bit about us. Let's talk a little bit about us. And as we move to verse 29, verse 29 is very interesting. Jesus said to him, have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. What is Jesus saying here? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Who is he talking about? He's talking about us. He's talking about us. We have not seen him, but we are aware of his presence. He's made his presence known. 
for those of us who have accepted Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we are indwelled with the Holy Spirit. And so we understand and we know his presence. That's the purpose of the Holy Spirit is to make sure we know of Jesus' presence. What we have to do is believe. Now, Thomas, he was a sheep that had gone astray. He had separated himself from the other disciples, and Jesus went and got him. I know that may not be good English, but that's what happened. Jesus went and got him. He met Thomas where he was. He encouraged Thomas. He forgave Thomas. And he helped Thomas to believe based upon his presence. And that's what he will do for us. He will meet us where we're at. He meets us where we're at. And, 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 and we need to understand that. Christ is continually pursuing us. He's pursuing us. As we're running away from him, he's pursuing us. And that's what he did with Thomas. He pursued him, and he'll pursue us as well. So those of us who haven't seen him, what is Christ saying? You know, it was a privilege for Thomas to be able to be invited by Jesus to touch him. But as Jesus told his disciples and reminds, and reminds us, blessed are those who have not seen and believe. He is thinking about those who would be blessed for believing in his resurrection power and his divine hope without seeing him. Jesus wants us to know that we do not need to physically see him for us to have hope in him. He is our hope. He is our hope. With all of the turmoil, with all the, the, the tribulations and trials and, and, and challenges that this world presents to us, he is our hope. And he is truly our only hope because he is the only constant thing in our lives. Everything else is changing. Everything is changing. The government is changing. Medicine is changing. Everything around us is changing. The world is changing. But Christ is the only constant thing in our lives. And he wants us to have hope in him. And it is truly our only hope. We have his presence. All we need to do is believe. We need to believe. We believe him for salvation, and he wants us to believe him for our lives because he wants to give us an abundant life, a life where he is our hope. When we have doubts, he is our hope. When we have trials and tribulations, he is our hope. When we are weary, and need rest, he is our hope. When we are the underdog, when folks are up against us, when things are going against us, he is our hope. He is our hope in all things, through all things, and over all things. He is our hope. 
our only hope. And once, if we decide something else is our hope, we're setting ourselves up for disappointment. And even as the disciples, they didn't quite understand what was going on with the crucifixion, but the resurrection made things clear for them. And the resurrection makes things clear for us. Because the fact of the matter is, Christ's resurrection is the greatest sign of God, God's love for his people that will ever happen. It's the greatest sign of his love for us. The greatest sign. So our doubts can turn to hope when we go directly to the source and find that Jesus is trustworthy. Where Jesus is, there is hope. And that hope is a continual hope. That hope is an everlasting hope. That hope is eternal. It's eternal. And as Jesus interacted with his disciples, taking away their their doubt, he will do the same thing for us. He will remove our doubt. But the only thing we need to do is understand his presence and believe. That's what we have to do. That's our part. He's already done his part. We have to do our part is belief. Now, sometimes that can be a tall challenge. Sometimes believing is, is, is difficult. But we have to believe. Because really, that's the only thing we have. Christ Jesus is the only constant that we have. And if we believe he is here with us today, wherever we may be, then we have We have hope. And along with that hope comes a peace, a perfect peace, and a peace that surpasses all understanding. Amen? Amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you for the hope that you've given us through Christ Jesus. We thank you for the peace that you've given us through Jesus as well. He is our hope in our, all of our trials and our tribulations, and we thank you for that. We ask through the power of the Holy Spirit, help us to lean on Jesus in a way that is pleasing unto you, where you will be glorified and the body is edified. We thank you, we praise you, and we honor you. In Christ's name we pray, amen.